0: Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC.
1: Good morning, millennials. Welcome back to the morning toast. It is Wednesday, Claudia's favorite day of the week. She'll let you know when. Yes, it is. Welcome back to the show, everyone. How's everyone doing? And by everyone, I mean, Claudia, how you derm?
0: Hey, Jax. Hey, everyone. Happy Wednesday. Hope everyone's feeling sprightly and bubbly. I, for one, am not. But for the sake of pretending, let's pretend. What a great day. (laughs) Okay,
1: so I did something again um, where I woke up early to work out. And if I ever have this idea again, please stop me. Like my workout was sure. trash. My output was trash because I had no energy in the morning. Like I legit couldn't move my legs any faster. My output, if you're a Pelot then you know what this means. Like compared to my last PR on a 30 minute ride, I was like 50 kgs less. Like the same output I did the first day that I got the bike, I'm like regressing. So I need to stop working out in the morning. Um, I always feel like it's gonna make me feel better. And it just made me feel like, um, a worthless loser. So that's why I have a wet hair, but I'm really like liking my man vibe today. What do
0: you think? You know Why it's not worth it to work out in the morning. Not that I work out ever, but it's like quarantine days are so long. Like it's already hard to fill things up and working out is one of the things you do after the toast. So if you're waking up early, you're giving yourself more hours in the day to fill up with stuff and you're getting your workout out of the way. So it's like something that you would do after the toast. Like now you have this free time that like, you don't really need.
1: Yeah, but, like, I still dread it, so I am glad that it's out of the way. Like, I would rather sit on my ass and, do, and be bored than, like, get dressed and work out. So I'm glad it's out of the way, but it wasn't as good of a workout as it could have been. Um, and I know that people are so gung-ho about working out in the mornings, but where do you get that energy from? Let a girl know.
0: I think people are gung-ho, and once again, I can't really speak to the validity of this thing as how I've never worked out morning, noon, or night, but I think people are gung-ho on working out in the morning when they have full lives, not when, like, the day is theirs.
1: Yes, that is interessant. Okay, that's a good point. I also did the Lizzo ride. I gave myself every chance for it to be fabulous, and I was just nothing of the sort. So I'm sorry. Here I am though, and um, but like now I'm glad I showered and I did a fresh facch, and I do feel good sitting here right now. So maybe in the end it was worth it.
0: Um, you sitting, you feel good sitting right here, right.
1: right okay we need to talk we need to talk because I gave you I gave you an assignment to watch the high school musical trilogy with an open mind and an open heart and I need to know your thoughts
0: you also gave me me, me an assignment to read Jessica Simpson's book which I did not um but I watched two out of three of the high school musical movies I will be watching the third because you say it's like one of the better ones um and I enjoyed it because like it was something to do the first movie is like. So you know, should we wait till our TV recap or just dive in? Just dive in. The the first movie is so cringy. It is like a bad hallmark Disney like fusion. Um, but it's good and it's cute, and the dancing and the choreography and the high school is so cute. Um, but to me, the most shocking moment was like when the movie ended and there was no musical. I don't know why. I remember, like, there being a musical, or it's just because it's called High School Musical, but the whole movie and all, like, the status quo being disrupted is about a callback.
1: Yeah. That's, that's what's so crazy. Like, there's so much power in a callback. And <laughs> while I agree with you that the first movie's, like, cringy-ish Hallmark guy, like, it was a decom. It wasn't meant to take over the world. Like, they put out this movie, like, they put out a million other Disney movies when we were kids, and people right. just... Really, like, just loved it. So then they built on it. And obviously, the second movie has a much higher production value. But the first, like, the bones of the first movie are good.
0: And the heart and of the the, the first movie is good. But I liked seeing everyone's glow-ups in the second movie. Like, some of them got fillers. Like, Ashley Tisdale definitely got her lips done. Her, her side bangs were, like, my eighth-grade aesthetic. Like, I liked that they
1: all got spray tans. Um, Vanessa Ann cut her hair. She was going like, she was trying out a lob. It was, it was interesting. I want to hear your thoughts on the second movie because back in the day, it really felt like the slump, uh, the sophomore slump, but watching it now, like, I have so much respect for it.
0: Yeah, no, I didn't think it was slumpy vibes at all. I thought the soundtrack was fabulous, all for one and one for all. Like, I was literally dancing in front of my TV like a child. I thought the soundtrack was really good. Um, It was frustrating for me because, like, I had a problem with like the ethics of the show. Like, I just didn't really feel like Zac Efron like wanting to better his future and not taking Zeke and Chad to the Albuquerque gym like made him a bad person. It's like no, he's putting his future first, not his job at the country club for the summer.
1: Yeah, I feel like justice for him. So, where do you land on now the justice for Sharpay campaign? Because after I watched these movies, I didn't feel the same way. Well, it's a little.
0: It's a little annoying because at the end of the first movie, when she didn't get the role and they're all dancing in the gym, she's like one of them, and she's like, "Whatever, I'll be your understudy." Like she was, it's, it was, it was like the villain role had peaked, and now she was just one of them. But then you transition to the summer, and she's like reverted back to her villainish ways, which worse I just than was little, ever. And I thought it was inconsistent when, like, I thought we had come full circle after the first movie. And yes, her behavior in the second movie was ab- abhorrent, like just on like a human level, the way she spoke to staff, and like even that song "Fabulous," which I love. She's like you go do. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like those are adults. Like you can't talk to them. Even the way she spoke to Mr. Fulton, who is a fabulous actor. Yeah. Mr.
1: Fulton in the second movie is supposed to fill the hole of Miss Darbus because they're not in school, you know? And Miss Darbus is really the heart and soul of the first movie. When you watch it back, it's justice for Miss Darbus. Like she is a queen. Like her talents are wasted on the East High Wildcats
0: completely. And like her vibe and like the way she speaks is like literally what I want to be when I grow up. Like when she's, when she's watching all the auditions and like nobody can sing and these two kids do like an interpretive dance to Breaking Free. And she was like, that was, and she tries to say something nice. She goes, very disturbing please go see a counselor (laughs) like she's so iconic and I agree like when you're a kid obviously like you just think of the teacher as like the annoying character but now that I'm an adult and I have respect for teachers I'm like Miss Jarvis was just trying to do her fucking job there was just so many inconsistencies in the movie like the period that they had with Miss Darvis, I thought in the beginning of the movie it was homeroom because it was, they sat down, she said two words, and then it was 15 minutes and it was gone. Then it's like, at the summer movie, it's the last period, so how can it be homeroom? And then it's like, then she's, then she's diving into history at one point. And I'm like, what teacher are you? So you're the drama teacher, homeroom teacher, English and history teacher? Get you a teacher who could do it all. I guess, yeah.
1: Um, and by the and way, turns- in high school, more so in middle school, but like- I guess it's really middle school. Like, we would have one teacher, and she taught us every subject. I, I guess that that's actually true. Um, we weren't, like, rotating classes yet. That's true, but it was high school. Okay, well, maybe, like, they had a different sort of curriculum at East High.
0: Maybe. Um, in terms of characters, I do have to say um, – I don't feel in the first movie that Zach and Vanessa like really deserved that role. Like they were late to both auditions and like they had to be like coerced into doing it. And then she finally, after Miss Darbus says, you're late, sorry, I won't let you perform. She lets them perform and Gabriella doesn't sing. The music starts and she gets scared. It's like, that's honestly not what you want in a star. Like, of course I'm looking through the movie, like through the lens of like, I want to support Troy and Gabriella, but like, they didn't really deserve the role as a, as a thespian myself. I, I wouldn't agree with the casting.
1: Yeah, well, I think it was a combination of a few things. Like, I think Miss Darbus was fed the fuck up with Sharpay and Ryan and, like, them botching all of these songs and making them, like, trash. Also, she did say, she said, if you're not going to put the theater first, like, let's, she, she agreed with Sharpay to move the audition to the same time as their other priorities. Let's see if they make the theater a priority. And you know what? They did. They, like, they went ham. They blew up the science lab. They caused a blackout. They got the whole school there. Everyone's jamming with Troy and Gabriella. And they really had talent. Or should I say Drew Seeley? Because you know that Zac Efron doesn't sing in the first movie. (laughs)
0: Yes, and I was hearing Drew Seely, like, so hard because he was in another Cinderella story um, dancing around with Selena Gomez, right? Such a good movie. Such a good movie. And I heard his voice the whole time, but as a kid, I didn't know. I really thought it was Troy. But, like, there was just – well, you kind of got into my head a little bit, like, when it came to how I felt about certain characters, like, Chad (laughs) – was the worst. He was such a bad friend, and the way that he was just, like, making fun of Zeke, his friend, for wanting to bake creme brulee is like, who wants, like, a judgmental friend like that? And it's like, with every song he sang, it's like, you would think he was getting more into it, but then at the country club, he was like, I don't dance. It's like, but you were dancing in the gym to get your head in the game, so why are you lying?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, he was just, like, so... um regressive, you know? He just, like, couldn't help his friends, like, break out of their shells. He just wanted every... Like, he was the status quo.
0: Yes, and he was, I felt, like, the character who was keeping the status quo in the entire school.
1: Yes, and honestly, in the first movie, him and Taylor, like, the status quo is kind of the villain, you know, because it's really not Sharpay. She's just trying to protect her drama club, and we can understand that. It's really, like... uh, Troy and I mean Chad and Taylor are the villains sort of like trying to keep their friends like in these boxes but we don't live in boxes
0: no we refuse to live in boxes so I'm gonna watch the third movie and I'll let you know I just I have a lot of respect for like the choreo and the dance numbers like when they ended the second movie at the pool country club like singing all for one like everyone was wearing bright colors jumping in the pool like I was living yeah Kenny
1: Ortega that's the Kenny Ortega effect and he Kenny O problems he does a good job he knows what he's
0: doing. Yeah. It was good.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited for you to watch HSM three and I'm excited for this journey for you. Um, I guess like, should I save my TV recap? Cause I finished little fires everywhere and I have, Oh,
0: don't spoil it. Like I might watch the last, few I'm going
1: to, I'm going to spoil it. So, cause I need, cause in order to talk about like what's wrong with it, I need to spoil it. And I know you're not going to watch anytime soon. Just like I didn't spoil Jessica Simpson's book for you. I wish that I had while it was still fresh in my mind. So I could have talked about it.
0: Okay, yeah, I'm not going to finish it. I really thought it was terrible.
1: It was so terrible, and I'll, I'll save it for the TV recap segment because maybe some people, like, don't give a shit and just want to hear the Fast Five.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: Okay, so I guess it's time, without further ado, to get into the Fast Five stories that you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast.
0: And that's true, Jackie, but if I may... A word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Scentbird. Sometimes adding one final piece brings the whole ensemble together, and that finishing touch can be your perfume. Fragrances can create lasting impressions because smell is so closely linked with memories. If you're ready to make a lasting impression, Scentbird can help you discover your signature scent or keep things fresh with new fragrances from brands like Dolce & Gabbana, Tom Ford, Versace, and more. Scentbird is a monthly luxury perfume and cologne subscription service with over 600 designer brands. Just choose the fragrance you want to try and they'll send you a 30-day supply and a travel-friendly refillable case. To help you find the perfect scent, you could sort their extensive collection by brand, style, occasion, season, and more. Plus, they have products that go beyond fragrances, like skincare, wellness, and makeup from best-selling brands like Kopari, Glam Glow, Glow Recipe, and Tarte. If you want to get 30% off your first month today, that's only $10 for your first fragrance, go to sedbird.com slash steen and use our promo code STEEN to get 30% off your first month. That means your first perfume of cologne is just $10. Again, that's S C E N T B I R D dot com slash steen to sign up and use our promo code steen s-t-e-e-n sign on smell amazing smell amazing
1: actually i have a stem bird right here a leak perfume and like perfume is just one of those like quarantine cheats where you can like be a fancy bitch um with minimal effort i love minimal effort it's my thing me too okay let's get into it because we actually have some good stories today. First story, the photo heard around the world. Adele shared a photo from her birthday yesterday on her Instagram where she posts scarcely, showing off even more weight loss than what we had seen in the photos from like Drake's birthday and a few months ago when everyone was talking about it.
0: Like her she on the posts- beach.
1: Yeah, she posted to celebrate her 32nd birthday, saying, thank you for the birthday, love. I hope you're all staying safe and sane during this crazy time. She captioned a photo of herself looking glamorous in Elzinga's balloon sleeve, little black dress. She really looks so fabulous.
0: I am like, she's living. She looks so glamorous and she looks so happy. And I love her. There's a lot of conversation being had here. Like, um, people are obviously so, like, living for her glow up. And then a lot of people are saying, like, is it derogatory towards fat people to celebrate someone's weight loss? And it's like, I'm so like body positive, And I'm like, I'm happy for this bitch. Like, I don't know. I don't think you, ha- you have to be both like one or the other. Like, I think it's great. If someone wants to lose weight, great. If somebody wants to gain weight, great. Like, why do we care?
1: Yeah. And I think really if she had posted any photo from her 32nd birthday, like looking happy and just like, it's really h- how you feel is, you know, I feel like we would all be celebrating it. You know, but also like losing weight, like is, and when you're trying to lose weight, it's hard and it's an accomplishment and it deserves to be celebrated when that's what you're trying to do. But I don't think it takes away from people who choose not to lose weight.
0: Totally. I was like reading some crazy comments. People are heated about it. And I'm just like, go girl, like do what you got to do. You want to be, you want to be thin? You want to be fat? Great. Great. I applaud you either way.
1: Yeah. She just, she looks so beautiful and glowing and you and can that, do that at outfit- any weight.
0: That outfit, that dress, that's a great dress. She looks, like, glamorous as hell. She looks like a Spice Girl, honestly. Yeah. Where's the new music, though? Where's the new music, though? I mean, there's so much going on um, in her life and her divorce. Like, her divorce was really... Um, he got, like, $70 million. Oh, did he?
1: Yeah. Well, she just needs to put out a new album. she make it all back.
0: Yeah, but, like, I think she literally had to split her fortune, which is just fucking terrible.
1: Fucking terrible. Um, also... Her album, her last album, I've been listening to it a lot in the queue, and, like, it holds up. It feels new. It's so amazing if, like, honestly, it
0: really is enough right now. Whenever I hear that song um, when we were young, I'll never not feel, like, sad, happy, empowered, powerful. Like, I fucking love that song and that music video where she looks just so epic. Like, that is, I think, one of the best songs ever written.
1: Um, I completely agree. I think that's one of the best albums ever and like my definitely my favorite album of hers but um it definitely I need to resurface it you know I'm always looking for albums to play on repeat I need to add that to my
0: mental cue I'm so excited for her new music because there's just so much going on in her life she's a mom and now she's single like it's just gonna be so fabulous totally okay
1: next story talking about one of our favorite people she is just like coming for Vogue because Jessica Simpson is decrying the body shaming by Vogue in Met Gala history. Have you seen this story? No. Okay, so I guess yesterday or whenever Monday was, Vogue put out like an oral history, and I read it, of the Met Gala. And so they had a bunch of different people contributing like little blurbs on like, you know, little – things that happened or how they felt their first Met Gala, what they used to think of the Met Gala. They had a bunch of people, including like Kendall Jenner, Naomi Campbell, Elle Fanning, a bunch of people who work for Vogue, including one woman, Sally Singer, who used to work for Vogue. Um, And she, in her oral history, she said that she recalled when Jessica Simpson quote, her breasts maybe fell out of her dress on the red carpet. And then at dinner, it was suddenly like, whoa, Jessica Simpson's breasts are across from me at a dinner table and they are on a platter and I'm looking at them. Then she also talks about how she was with John Mayer and John Mayer was like putting his hands on her boobs. And it was just like all about Jessica Simpson's boobs. This one excerpt. Excuse me? Yeah. So Jessica Simpson posted feeling a little like Jane Mansfield after reading this inaccurate oral history of the Met Ball where I am body shamed by Sally Singer. But in all seriousness, I have persevered through shaming my own body and internalizing the world's opinions about it for my entire adult life to read this much anticipated article about the classiest fashion event there is and have to be shamed by another woman for having boobs in 2020 is nauseating.
0: Okay, there's so many things that are weird about this. First of all, the fact that, like, they asked this Vogue contributor, like, you went to the Met Gala, what do you remember? And, like, she, she went to the most fabulous, high-profile event, and all she remembers is someone's tits. Like, that's weird, first of all. So it was,
1: like, one memory out of a lot. Like, it was a bunch of little blurbs of memory. So she contributed other stories, but this was one of the stories, and that Vogue decided to publish. I'm sure everyone just, like, sent in blurbs. Uh, Vogue did apologize for including it in their article, but, like...
0: No, this is, no, this is, this whole thing is weird. Like I blame the girl. I blame Vogue. I blame everyone. Like literally what's the point in running a magazine if you're not going to edit it? Like, isn't that your whole job? Editors at magazines. Like who, who the fuck let this be published? Like that is so condescending. It's like, so, I, I don't know. I would just feel so weird. I don't even know what the right word is. Like if someone were just talking about my tits so much, like maybe it's because nobody does, like maybe I wouldn't mind it. But like, it's like, it's so, it's so wrong. No, but like Jessica Simpson sis, I feel like a lot of people talk about them because they're like so
1: fabulous. And I feel like if you want to talk about them, it can only be in terms of celebration because they're so wonderful. But like to talk about a woman's boobs in a condescending way in 2020,
0: nauseating. No, to talk about them at all, like another woman's boobs is weird. But if you're going to do it negatively, like, that's fucked up. Like, to, to celebrate it without their consent
1: is still a little weird. No, like, I just- mean, but we do that all the time. We talk about Katy Perry's boobs at that event with John Mayer. Oh, we, we, do, ta- we, we literally, do. after I read Open Book, I Googled Jessica Simpson Met Gala John Mayer, and we literally posted these photos on our Instagram because, like, she looked amazing. She, she looked amazing. So I think it's great to celebrate everyone's bodies, um, but just, like, to be weird about boobs it, it, right now, what the fuck?
0: It just it seems really losery, I'm sorry, of this of this girl. It's I'm calling it it's loser crime.
1: It's lose no, but it's not loser on loser. It's loser no, on it's queen loser crime. crime. It's loser on
0: queen crime. I just feel like bad for Jessica Simpson. Like I just I want everyone to respect her. Yeah, I don't know why people feel
1: like she's a
0: punching bag or
1: she can just be, like, spoken about in any sort of way, but they obviously didn't read open book, and I think Sally Singer, if she wants to make it right, needs to read her book.
0: You know what? I think we should give her an assignment. I want a book report.
1: I want a book report, and then you know what? Then I'll move on. Then. Then. This wow, is so um, sad. So sad, but I'm so, like, proud of Jessica Simpson for standing up for herself because, one, I would have never heard about this Vogue oral history without Jessica Simpson speaking out about it because she's, like, shedding light on something that nobody gives a shit about um, because everybody cares about her. And also, I forget. Okay.
0: Well, justice has been served, I think.
1: I think so, too. I think she served it up for herself. Like, she doesn't let anyone come for her anymore. Like, she is everything. I love her. I love her. Before we get into the next story, I just want to issue a trigger warning because we're about to talk about sexual assault. Um, Speaking of other people that we love, Nikki Bella reveals that she was raped twice in high school. (gasps) So the Bella sisters have come out with a new memoir that they wrote together. And Nikki is opening up about being raped twice as a teenager in the new memoir, Incomparable. Incomparable?
0: Incomparable. I mean, I'm no uh, literary scholar, but I think...
1: The former WWE star shares in the book, co-written by her twin sister, Brie, that she was first attacked at the age of 15 by a fellow student she thought was a friend. Quote, my virginity was stolen from me without my consent. I was raped by a guy I thought was a friend while I was passed out at a party. I'd had too many beers and maybe some shots of hard alcohol, and I only woke up because my stomach hurt." I came to and this guy was both on top of me and inside of me and I pushed him off and ran out of the room. And then she said that she was also raped again by a college age man whom she says drugged her when she was 16. And so she lived with all of this and she like kept it a secret and she said she blamed herself and started to lose her confidence. Quote, I started to disrespect myself and then the relationships I got into at a young age, I let other people disrespect me and felt like that's okay. This is what I deserved. Oh my God. That's horrible. Horrible. This is so heartbreaking, but it's like so brave of her to share this story now. Um, She said that the Me Too movement and her platform as a WWE star helped her come to terms with speaking up about
0: it. What a trauma, like what traumatizing, like to experience once is horrible and awful, but like twice. Are you kidding me? That's so, so sad. I love her.
1: I love her so much. I'm really excited about this book. Um, I'm definitely going to read it. I love the two of them. And Total Bells is back on TV now. I have it all recorded, but I, haven't co- I like to batch that too.
0: They have um, really like created an empire for themselves.
1: A hundred percent. And I feel like they just like work quietly. You know, they're not always just like, and until you watch their show, you don't realize like how much they do and how successful they are. Um, and they have a really nice life. And, and, yeah. and also I feel like we keep forgetting they're pregnant at the same time right now. Like that is so special. And they have
0: a podcast. They do it all. They do it all. They're really cute. And they've really, like, just created this whole thing, like, out of some show, Total Divas, that was, like, really not that popular when it started, but, like, people really tuned in for them. Um, And now they have their own show, and I think they're great. And I'm probably not going to read the book, but um, I wish them well.
1: I'll recap it for you.
0: Yeah. You know, actually, I I feel like they have an – I don't know how you get to where you are, like, in – like what road in your career do you have to take to end up being where the Bella sisters are, you know, what do you mean? Like WWE? Like that's such an interesting background. I don't know anyone who's ever become like a famous wrestler, you know, like they're like the only for, for me, like female wrestlers that I know. Yeah. Well, I think it was the show total divas that like But you know I mean, like how do you get involved in WWE at first? Cause they were famous, not to us, but they were famous before the E show.
1: Oh yeah. Well you audition like anything else. Yeah? Yeah, like, it's a career path. Like, some people want to be a cheerleader, some people want to be a dancer, some people want to be a WWE diva. Yeah, but, like, if you're a cheerleader, like, you join a squad. And you audition and you join. You, like, try out for WWE.
0: No, I think you'll probably have to, like, get in some training program.
1: Oh, you know what? I actually saw the movie Fighting With My Family, and there is, um, it's about Paige from WWE, and there's a training program that she joins to be a diva. And, you know, it's like weeks. It's kind of like DCC making the team. Like you, they weed out people who don't make the cut. And eventually they have some divas on their hands.
0: Hmm. Maybe that's what I should have done with my life.
1: Maybe it is.
0: Body slam. Um,
1: okay. Next story is about your favorite person, Miley Cyrus. Um, I have some news for you that I don't think you're going to like because she did an interview with the Wall Street Journal.
0: Oh, she did? I didn't see it everywhere. You did? Where'd you see it? Oh my God. Literally everywhere. Oh my
1: God. Well, I saw it at pop crave news and they, they clipped some of the highlights that I just want to share because she is discussing a possible future as a full-time talk show host. So the interviewer asked, you told Jimmy Fallon, you don't do anything halfway. So when you decided to do this, you went all the way. Do you want to be a full-time TV host one day? She said, I love connecting with people. There's something about when you listen to someone else's stories that you realize all these pieces of yourself, too. I think that's what I've missed in my life, those relationships. I also love entertainment, encouraging people to celebrate their uniqueness. A lot of what I've represented in my entire career is individuality and gender identity and sexual identity. So yeah, I would love to create a platform where individuality is highlighted and a place for good news and light and activism and optimism and highlighting the folks doing really big work who don't always get the attention that is deserved. I think there's a world where I can... Can do it all and have it all.
0: Okay, honestly, as a platform, that sounds really nice, honestly. Like, good news, activism, I'm here for it. And I just hope that if there are people in the world who want Miley Cyrus as a talk show host, like, I hope that they get what they want for them. That's what I'll say.
1: I totally agree.
0: You know, this actually um, reminds me of something I heard yesterday, which was that Selena Gomez is getting a cooking show on HBO Max, which is, like, quarantine cooking show.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, wait. I meant to... I meant to have that as a story because um, I saw that we posted it to the Morning Toast that where she is um, hosting and executive producing an at-home quarantine cooking show. So um, isn't that a vlog? Like she's yeah, hosting no, it? no, she's pressing record. She's pressing record. She's talking to the camera and she's executive producing it. Like she's emailing it to HBO Max. Like, are you like, okay, I host and executive produce like so much. It's crazy. I didn't know of that course. that was the term for what I was doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm less concerned with that and just more concerned. It's like, how is anyone supposed to ever, like, make it as a chef or a talk show host if celebrities just, like, keep deciding that, like, they have no background, but I want to become a Tonight Show host? You know, like, how are people ever supposed to get those jobs who just start from the ground up if, you know, the next Ina Garten is just Selena Gomez going to the Hamptons? Right. Just Selena Gomez, like, in quarantine,
1: making... I don't know. We're all cooking in quarantine. By the way, when is this show premiering? In August? The last thing I want to do
0: is watch someone else Remind in quarantine me. when I'm trying to get back to normal life. You know, I have p- full plans in August. I don't intend on, like, watching content that reminds me of The queue.
1: Right. I thought that was a crazy... I mean, I guess it's for HBO Max, so it's, like, It's not taking up cable time. They'll put anything on there, you know, and she is literally the most famous person in the world. So if we can get like half of the Selena stands watching HBO Max, they're going to do it. I understand that decision for them, but it's like, it's low hanging fruit.
0: Yeah. And I'm just like sad thinking about all the Instagram chefs who think one day, like I'll get a show on HBO. No, actually, I'm sorry. You won't.
1: Yeah. I don't really know any Instagram chefs, but you know what I've been loving? TikTok chefs. I am always, like, saving recipes that I obviously never make um, from some chefs on TikTok. Like, they really – like, all of those short little videos where they're just, like, throwing things in and they're, like – you know, there's a few really good ones. I don't know their names, but – Do you know Tabitha? I think so. Is she the one that cooks with the spices?
0: Like so, like that, because it's your business. Yeah, that's the one funny.
1: Yeah, she's great. And I I really, like – I. I think I've made some stuff off TikTok. You know, how? You, have you seen the, like, egg grilled cheese sort of one um, where you put the Like the, the egg omelet the, with the bread. And then you flip it over and it's just a sandwich?
0: Yeah. Like,
1: that's pretty cool. There's some cool oh, stuff I'm, happening.
0: I made a grilled cheese yesterday. And? Um, in the pan. I, like, really made it nice with, like, smart butter, bread. And it was so good. Like, literally decadent as fuck.
1: That's what I've been making every day. But yesterday, my avocados had ripened, so I made an avocado toast, and it was so good. I immediately got up and made another one.
0: Oh, that's so good! You know, sandwiches are good, but they're relatively small. I feel like, and unless you're having like a BLT with tur- like a million things, yeah, like a PB and Subway, yeah, but like a PB and J or a grilled cheese, like to me, is much more of a snack than it is a meal. I kind of
1: agree. Like, I used to think a sandwich was like a big meal, but it's, it's not that much. No, it's definitely, you need like chips to go along with it. You definitely need some
0: side dishes. Also, it depends on your bread. Like the square footage you get on your bread can really make an impact into the size of your sandwich. And uh, the bread that I was using, which is very good Sara Lee whole wheat, they're, they're small slices. So it really felt like more of, you know, an appetizer than an entree.
1: Ooh, I've started using Ezekiel bread, um, that Snitch uses because I'm just like, I should save, Calories where I can, and it's actually really good. And I don't even taste the difference. But last night, I made meatless bolognese with chickpea pasta. I actually made three different kinds of pastas because I was making the chickpea pasta for the bolognese because I was like, I'll try and be healthy. But I was like, what if it's gross? I wasted all this bolognese. So I made regular pasta and I had all this extra regular pasta because I was making so much pasta. Then I made half of the regular pasta into pesto pasta for my husband. So I had three mm-hmm. different kinds of pastas and I ate so much of the chickpea pasta, and it was just like not good compared to pasta. And it's like, if you're going to eat pasta, go all the way. Like if I'm going to be healthy, I'll have a salad, but I'm not eating healthy pasta. Like it was, I, it also made me like so full. Cause there was so much fiber. I just felt like kind of gross all night. Um, I was like, did I eat too much? Maybe I should have just eaten regular. I would have known what I was doing. It was confusing.
0: Yeah. Um, I have never obviously had chickpea pasta. So once again, I'm just speaking from a lack of experience, but I can't imagine that it would be good.
1: Yeah. It's just like, if you're in the mood for pasta, it's just not pasta. So go all the way or don't.
0: Yeah, or like have all, a salad.
1: I'm just in life. I'm all or nothing. That's just my motto for everything. I, I think everyone knows that about me by now. Um, so chickpea pasta just doesn't fit into that equation.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry that that happened to you.
1: It's okay. It was a learning lesson, you know?
0: That's what life's about, Jackie. Learning.
1: Okay, our fifth and final story is really sweet because Vanessa Bryant has shared a letter from Kobe Bryant on her birthday. Vanessa Bryant was able to open one last letter from Kobe on her birthday, revealing she waited until her special day to read an unopened envelope from her late husband. She said, yesterday I found an envelope labeled to the love of my life from to Poppy, she said. I waited to open one more letter on my birthday. It gave me something to look forward to today. That is like a book to find an unopened letter, you know? Big time. Wow. That's really sweet.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, I just can't, like, talk about these two because it's, like, my worst fears, and I feel so sad, and I just, like, love her, and I, I'm i glad that she got, like, a little gift on her birthday. Um, it reminds me, it's so – actually, no, it's not even remotely similar, but regardless, I think that um, – This is lovely. And I like how she publicly deals with her grief. I feel like a lot of people are, like, more introverted about it. Like, don't share um, people in the public eye and then also just, like, regular human beings. Yeah. So I just think she's so brave.
1: I I completely agree. I feel like it's something that when you see someone else going through it, it just makes you feel less alone. Totally. And I think she's a wonderful woman. So those are the past five stories. Honestly, they were all five stories about wonderful women. No, they were five stories and they were fast. Oh, they were definitely fast.
0: But have no fear. Our show is not even close to over because Jackie's going to recap her TV from last night. And then we're going to dive into Dear Toasters, which is our advice. And Pump Rules recap. That's what we have to do first. I know. Oh, but let's just, let's yeah. just
1: hit it. Um, okay. So this is my thoughts on the episode. Like it was an episode where nothing major happened, making me realize like this is now the show. Like when they went to that beach cleanup, I could not believe that Stassi and Bo were there like supporting Max's beach cleanup. It's like, they're really trying to beach in the world. That was so funny. They're really trying to like integrate the cast. And I guess this is just how it is. We're not even going to like try, like the, I just couldn't believe that Sassy and Bo were there. I really, I could understand like Katie and Tom because Tom works with Max, but um, it was, it was interesting and I, I didn't mind it at all. Um, I wish we got like more of the beach looks because I was absolutely loving Lala Kent's look and I just needed more of it um, as well as Dana's. And I guess the two big things of the episode were Sheena, um, and her music video. And I was literally, I watched watched the music video because, of course, she posted to her Instagram like, "Watch what you didn't see." Because we kept seeing like the same highlights and the zooming in on Brett's face. Like, I was freaking out. Like, that was the craziest thing I ever saw. Why would you? It's just weird, like, that she would use, like, a friend and someone that she had a cry. Like, obviously she was using it to, like, get close to him. And maybe, like, make him realize that he's in love with her and she'll give him a blowjob and, like, he'll just want to be with her forever. She's Um, so transparent. She's so transparent. It's crazy. But also, like, uh, Dana is her friend and Dana's hooking up with him, like, it was so wrong on so many accounts. Like, I was uncomfortable watching it. I can't even imagine being there. And she wasn't even paying him. It was, like, it was so weird. And then and I, I'm so glad that when he said to her, like, I was uncomfortable, that she, like, legit understood and was like, I'm so embarrassed. I, I feel weird. I'm like, good, because we all fucking feel weird.
0: Yeah, I just think Sheena sometimes, like, forgets who she is, you know? And and to me, like, the most interesting part of the episode, what I could have watched a whole episode on, was the love triangle because, like... I love Dana. I love that everyone, like, wants her and that, like, she now has options. And I hate that whole Max thing. Like, I was scared. It's like, come on, this is 2020. We don't even say that anymore. Like, I can't deal with stuff like that. And I hope that she doesn't go back to Max. Um, and I love how, like, everyone's so invested in it. Like, Stassi at the beach was like, I heard you're in a love triangle. Like, it really is the most interesting thing going on in the group and in the in the show. And you, I, I thought last night's episode was going to be better than it was because there were so many events. They had Kristen's thing. They had the beach thing. They had Tom and Ariana's dinner party. Like, I thought they were just be more momentum because usually it's like one birthday party a week but there was three this week and it was mm-hmm. just like nothing sauce
1: yeah and the other big thing is like Jackson and his temper that was really fucking weird and crazy um and then this stuff with like Kristen, it makes me realize there's so much that we don't know because that was just something offhanded that he said just to prove that she's a liar um that she had sex with someone two weeks ago and she was saying it's four weeks ago and she's with carter like it, it's weird
0: Yeah, but it's like, at this point, the show's becoming confusing because there's so much that we don't know. Like, with the Katie, Kristen, and Stassi drama, um, I didn't listen, but apparently Stassi had Katie on her podcast where they gave so much context as to why their friendship with Kristen is being... coming to an end. And and now it's, like, with this Kristen stuff and Jax, it's, like, I don't even know what they were talking about. Literally, I was so confused. And the producers are just making us do so much, like, physical labor to figure out what's going on. The show is not laying it out for us anymore. And I'm just confused. I honestly didn't know what was going on at Kristen's t-shirt thing, like, the whole time.
1: Yeah, and it's, like, it's weird. And it's also all these people who don't like each other but are just, like, kind of pretending to. Like, even Tom and Jax, like, they go sneakers, cleaning together and then in their interviews like they're talking shit about each other. So it's like, why, why, am I, why am I watching them clean their sneakers together?
0: Yeah, everyone was like coming for Jax, but you know I'm a Jax apologist and I just like really like him. I felt really bad for Britney. But I just feel like Britney takes a lot. Um and she like kind of reached her breaking point um last night and I felt really bad for her.
1: Yeah. Um I felt really bad for her and I thought Jax was like totally out of line but I just didn't get it. Maybe that's the point it's like it was just coming out of nowhere but he seemed like he was on about something and we just weren't getting it.
0: Yeah. And then he was like saying how he's having going through some struggles. What he was trying to say is like his mental health is like not at its best, but he was like, I'm having mental problems. And it was like, I wanted to feel for him. But then like the way he speaks so derogatory about like Ariana and her journey with depression, I was like, this, these two are not equal. Like he was, you can't, you can't want sympathy from people and then be like a dick to someone else who's going through the same thing.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. That's how I felt also.
0: So it was a fine episode.
1: Yeah, it was fine. Um, Okay, Little Fires Everywhere, so I finished it. And I just want to say, like, the show is really, really bad. And I thought the book was bad, and then the show was even worse um, because they make all of the characters even more unlikable. Like, they made Mia so much more unlikable. They made Elena so much more unlikable. They did all these things in the show – that didn't happen in the book. And it's like, there was enough going on in the book that we could have, like, you just added, like, all of these different crazy things, and it just wasn't necessary. And now, at the end of the book, and at the end of the show, the house burns down. And in the book, it is, spoiler alert, it is Izzy who burns the house down. And she really, you get it. She's just fucking done with these people. She's done with this house. She's done with this life. In the show, um also like Elena becomes some so much of a worse character in the show because she like doesn't like Izzy she never wanted her she never wanted to be her mother she doesn't enjoy being her mother and in the book it's not like that like she really feels like so protective over Izzy because like she grew up like she was um like a difficult baby and a difficult pregnancy and she just always had to be like no Izzy no Izzy no and and now her whole life she's just like Izzy no um and all Izzy hears is no but in the show they made it like where Elena says to Izzy like I didn't want you and Izzy runs away which she does in the book anyway and then the other three kids burn down the house in the show yeah so but like the other three kids yeah they're going through a rough patch as a family but you don't burn down your fucking house over that
0: no that makes no sense and you know what i understand like when tvs or movie shows adapt from books and things get changed but like to me to change like the biggest thing it it's like it's a murder mystery and then you change like who actually murdered the person like to me that just seems so weird
1: yeah it was just weird um they added all of these different elements, like Elaine, all these problems between Elena and Joshua Jackson. And that did not exist in the book at all. And it's frustrating because like they made Elena into this monster. And yeah, she's not a great person by the end of the book, but she's not like philandering and cheating on her husband. And she didn't cheat on him 15 years ago. She never like walked out and went to a bar and met someone else. And she didn't do that in New York City either. So like there was already so much to unpack, even like in the show, Brian and Lexi break up. Mm. And, like, Lexi is so upset about it. And that didn't happen in the book, I, I'm i pretty sure.
0: What about the baby?
1: Oh, so this is what happens in the book and in the show. The court case happens. The judge rules that the baby belongs with the McCulloughs.
0: Not, not with the parents.
1: Not the – not B.B. Chow.
0: Okay. And then,
1: um, like, that night or the next night, B.B. Chow, while everyone is sleeping, goes to the house – Takes the baby and gets on a plane to China. And they, the McCulloughs, like spend some time looking for her, but they know that they never will find her. Um, but in the show, they kind of botched that storyline too, because they had like, and what Linda McCullough realized in the book was like, she woke up the next morning and the baby was gone but she realized that the baby did not cry when BB took her you know cuz like that is her mother in the book they fucking botched it linda's trying to fall asleep the baby monitor goes off with a little crying the husband's like don't worry we're safe don't like doesn't let her go and check. And then later in the middle of the night, she goes to check on the baby and the baby's gone. And BB goes to like Niagara Falls. But that just makes it seem like, oh, they're going to look for the baby now. Whereas in the book, it is so final that they are never going to find this baby and that Bebe and the baby are in China.
0: See, like to me, that whole storyline with the birth mother was more interesting than like the fire and, and Izzy. Like I didn't fucking care.
1: Yeah. And that's really like the, the biggest storyline in the book. And then in the show, it becomes ancillary because there's all these other storylines happening, like Izzy and the drama between the Richardsons. And it's just like, it's crazy. So overall, I thought it was a bad show based on a bad book, but the show made it worse.
0: Yeah, and the show got worse. I thought that maybe that's why they did it the way that they did because the first three episodes they released were pretty good. And then I just felt like each week we got another episode and it just it just got worse and worse and worse. And I just legitimately forgot to watch it.
1: Yeah, um, and I could understand that. It also just like gave me a pit and was really sad. I don't know. And I couldn't separate the book from the show. and And that's what I'm realizing now is I actually don't like – when books are turned into shows or movies, I'm realizing, because it just, like, kind of ruins it for me. Because they definitely do take creative liberties. But, like, so there's a show on Hulu now called Normal People.
0: Mm -hmm. Based on a book.
1: I just read the book. I didn't like the book that much. Mostly because of the way that it was written. Um, And now I don't really want to watch the show either. Because I'm like... Don't. You're just comparing the whole time. And then it just, it's weird. So I did all of this because I wanted... Uh, so ultimately, I read Little Fires Everywhere because I wanted the sensation of reading a book and then having it turn into a show. And what did that feel like? And here I am a few months later, felt bad.
0: Okay, great. So you never have to do it again.
1: Yeah, now I know.
0: Um, okay, anything else that you watch that you want to talk about before we head over to Deer Toasters? I don't think so. Okay, Deer Toasters, our advice segment, if you ever want to write in, we always keep it anonymous. It is deertoasters at gmail.com. We'll talk about anything from quarantine stuff to wedding stuff, whatever you want. Here we go. Dear Toasters, I want a new wedding ring, but every time I bring it up, it seems to upset my husband. We got engaged fairly quickly and we're moving across the country for my job, so all the time we agreed to use, at the time we used, agreed to use a family ring from my now mother-in-law to save money. It's pretty and dainty, but nothing I have, I would have picked out. There's also a lot of drama and tension surrounding our engagement, so I'm just not emotionally attached to it. I'm not allowed to wear my ring at work and when I can wear it, I'm never excited to put it on. My husband often asks, why didn't you wear your ring? I've tried a number of times, I'm sorry, I've tried a number of different bands to make it work for me, and it just doesn't. Anytime I bring up a replacement, my husband shuts down and makes comments about how I don't care about the ring he got me, but it was free. So I'm confused why he seems to be so attached to it. We have been very happily married for several years and more in love than ever. I want something special to wear to symbolize that, but I'm afraid if I push the new ring, um, it'll be tainted too.
1: Um, I think you just got to, like, ride it out a little with the ring. Like, I think once you're married, you can talk about an upgrade. Um, no, they are not like,
0: Oh, they are? Yeah, husband.
1: How long have they been But they married? got
0: engaged – she didn't say, but they got engaged, like, kind of quickly because they were moving across the country for her job. So they didn't – it was, like, a – it was not, like, a shotgun wedding, but the engagement was was quick because of all these moving pieces. So she just took this ring for her, her mother-in-law. Now they've been married for a while, and she wants a new ring.
1: I think that's fair. I just think you need to find, like, the right occasion to be receiving, whether it's, like, a five-year anniversary or a big birthday, 30th, 35th. Like, let your husband know that you love this ring, but you're not – like, you're just – Ready for a new one? I don't know. This is really weird. I don't know what to tell you.
0: Yeah, but people upgrade their rings all the time, even if it has nothing to do. Even if your ring wasn't free, it's like you're married one year and then you're in a different place in your tenth year, and you want something to signify the ten years. Like, yeah, but then you have to crazy. wait till you have to
1: wait till ten years. Yeah, I don't know how many. You.
0: I don't know how many years this girl has been married, but like five
1: years that could work. That, that's what I'm saying. Just make it for a big milestone because people don't just like get new engagement rings on a Wednesday. Um, but I think that. That's fine. And also, yeah, it, cause, because it was technically free, it's not like you're wasting money. Yeah. You haven't spent the money yet. So I just think be be honest and a and patient. Yeah, but I don't think it's an unreasonable request. No, I don't think so either. I think, like, you okay. should be happy with, with your ring.
0: Of course. Like, you should look down on it and, like, think of the wonderful life you've built together. Like, not your mother-in-law if you don't like her. Yeah. Um, hey, Jackie and Claudia. First off, thank you guys so much for taking the time to read my email. Nothing crazy, but I need someone to tell me I'm being crazy and to stop. Or I need someone to tell me it's okay and to keep indulging in this guilty pleasure of mine. So I am in a very happy relationship with my boyfriend of four years. We're pretty solid. But I have this guilty pleasure of making fake Instagram accounts and following my ex-boyfriends on it. Like, why am I like this? Does this Does this mean I'm secretly not over my exes and I don't realize? What do you guys think? No matter how many times I try and stop obsessing, I just can't stop and I make another account. I love knowing what they're up to. I feel like this isn't normal but I have an, I have no idea. I can't afford a therapist so I need your guys' opinion. Thank you, love a one day or fan one day, a day one or fan. Sorry.
1: That's so funny. I'm going to go ahead and say the fact that you follow all of them and you care about all of them means you don't care about one or the over the other. This isn't about you being hung up on one X. This is just like, I kind of, I get it. I don't think it's that alarming. I think if it was just like one person, like the one that got away and you just like, can't move on from it. Um, that would be a little bit more concerning, but you seem like you have a good attitude about the whole thing. Some people just like, need to know. Like some people stop, even when it's like an enemy of yours or a former friend, you just need to follow them. Some people don't like, and I don't think there's anything like really wrong with it. Just cause you're following a former friend doesn't mean just cause you're like stalking a former friend doesn't mean you don't love your your current friends. Like you just so like true. have this innate need to know. And I think that that is fine. You are, you are the t- Claudia is the type of person that like
0: needs to know what her enemies are up to all the time. Like I need to know what everyone is up to all the time. I relate to this so hard. I don't think you're in love with your ex-boyfriends. Like I have a fake Instagram account too, that I keep up with like, not really ex-boyfriends, but just like people I hate. And I totally just like need to know what they're up to. I check it four fucking times a day. Like I hear you. I don't think you're crazy. It's, you know what? Information is powerful and I feel that. So I think you're totally fine and you could keep looking. I just, I, I agree. If it were one, it would be alarming, but just like, wanting to know what people from your past are up to, whether or not you were romantically involved to me is not weird.
1: No. And you know what? I'm, the, I'm not like Claudia, like I don't have a fence and I don't stalk people that I wouldn't feel good about following, but I, I still think that this is fine. Um, and I also feel like a therapist, like, I don't know if they w- were like an older, maybe you need like a contemporary millennial therapist. Cause a therapist like might think that this is alarming, but as a contemporary, I, I really don't.
0: No, I don't think it's alarming at all, but, and, like, that's exactly what Jackie said. Like, you have the self-awareness to know, like, it's kind of weird, but that self-awareness makes it okay.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, As long as you, like, and this is on you to, like, decipher, is, like, if you see, like, one of your exes has a new girlfriend, as long as that's not, like, a a punch in the stomach, um, and you're just keeping tabs, that's fine. And Dr. Theodore Fitzhemen is here, and he wants you to know that he completely endorses
0: this. Dr. Theo Foch has officially entered the chat. Hi,
1: Theo. Okay, sorry. So
0: fucking cute. All right, third and final Dear Toasters. It's a little bit long. Let me get my – I've been, like, reading not well today. Same, always. Hey ladies, firstly, thank you so much for creating such a wonderful such wonderful content during this time. The students have really been a bright light during this pandemic. Thank you. Now, my issue slash question. I am 36 and have been with my 33-year-old boyfriend for just over two years. We have lived together since last summer. We have a great relationship. We both treat each other well, the same values, and we love each other's families. We had a serious relationship talk before Christmas about our next step engagement and how it would happen around summer this year. Well, now the Q has put everything on hold, he doesn't want to make any plans, especially large financial ones, until we know how this will unfold. We're both lucky enough to still have jobs, however, I'm in event planning, so working on my clients' weddings all day makes me that much more aware that my life is on hold. My question is, Q aside, how much did you both discuss getting engaged before the actual proposal? Did you give Ben and Mames a gentle push or a firm one? How do you think I should approach this with everything going on? I mean, it's not like jewelry stores are even open now. I'm trying to stay positive with everything Q-related, but I'm impatient and I'm not getting any younger. Thanks, toaster. Ready for the ring.
1: Okay, so the Q definitely complicates everything, but to answer your first question, how much of a – did we talk about it? What kind of push was there? Yes, we definitely talked about it. Like, we each had our own sort of, like, timelines of how we thought – things should play out. And I think eventually both of those, like he wound up proposing earlier than he would have and I wound up getting engaged later than I might've thought. it definitely takes like the romance out of it to have to talk about it all the time. But you know what, like it, we're mature adults. Like we need to communicate. This is, these are big decisions that we're making about our futures and like people should be on the same page. Sometimes it's the difference of a few months and I don't think that is a big deal, but when it's the difference of a few years, like that is something that needs to be talked through because you guys obviously have different ideas of your future and that's important. With the Q though, that would technically be the difference of a few months. And I feel like you can give him that grace period because yeah people don't want to be making financial investments at this time like all weddings are postponed like you know the girls who got engaged in 2019 like 2021 is now their year so like everyone kind of gets pushed back a little bit um so I think with quarantine it just means like being a little bit more patient but I feel like you can say to him like I want to be engaged by the end of this year and that would be very fair
0: yeah. The, the, the timeline is like, I just get such anxiety for people. Like I was lucky enough to have like the structure of college where it was like, we knew we were going to get engaged after college. So like that was all that really needed to be said. Cause like graduation came and then we were engaged a month later. But like when people have like jobs and now like with the financial crisis, like it really does add all these external elements that like make an already uncomfortable conversation, like a little bit more uncomfortable and confusing. And I feel for you. Um, Jackie's right. Like, a few months in the grand scheme of the world is really not a huge deal. I'm sure you're just, like, thinking of weddings 24-7 because it's your job, and therefore it's making you antsy. But I think the quarantine delaying your engagement, like, is okay.
1: Yeah. Just, like, figure out what you can live with. Let your partner know. And if that's what, like, if they want to make you happy, like, you, they'll, they'll get to step in and do and do that, you know? And I feel like now quarantine is we're on the tail end of like hardcore quarantine so you wanted to be engaged by summer maybe it'll happen in the fall and and that is okay
0: yeah and you know what if you get engaged now like you'll probably have to get engaged in your apartment so maybe just wait a few months
1: yeah or like over zoom
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um also I forget what I was going to say. Oh, the most important thing though, is that you still want to marry this person. And I think being in quarantine, like gives you that absolute certainty or not about where you stand. So you know what, if you are certain that you want to marry this person, like it will happen. And that's the most important thing to know right now. And and you have that certainty.
0: Preach. Well, that was it. Good questions. Yeah. If you guys want to write in ever, the email is deartosters at gmail.com. We always keep it anonymous. So if you want to get weird, frisky, um whatever we don't mind so twisters at gmail.com anything else you want to say jacks before we wrap up the show
1: just happy birthday to our sister the snatcher counselor snitch um if you're watching like make sure to wish her a happy birthday uh we love you so much counselor snitch i know you're not watching so i'll just take <laughs> to instagram to post but our, or you can listen to the Snatchler, new episode of the Snatchler is up today with Andy Grammer because he was a guest judge on Listen to Your Heart.
0: So and there's a side note a new episode of Margaret Joseph's podcast with Melissa Gorga, which is going to be so good. I have to listen to it.
1: So much premium content. By the time. We are back here tomorrow. The new Redheads episode will be up. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're reading the books. If you are bored in the queue and you're in the queue bored, become a Redhead because we have so much content for you. Like You could spend a whole week reading more, like two weeks, reading all the books, listening to all the episodes, and having a grand old
0: time. Amen to that. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Morning Toast the Millennium Morning Show, where we go live Monday through Friday, 1030 a.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube, please feel free to subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. We're also available as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. So that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, iHeartRadio, CastBox, all the places. So wherever you listen to podcasts, find us Morning Toast and leave a five-star review about how beautiful, stunning, and smart we are. We love you guys, and we will see you tomorrow. Bye.